0: Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Biblioscapes and Discussion. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by photographer Alex Neil. Good evening, Alex. Good evening, Ian. Thank you very much for joining me this evening. Obviously, we're here to talk about your book Northwest, which you brought out a few years ago. Um, but for those of you who aren't aware of your work, it'd be great if you could give us a quick introduction to your photographic
1: and mountaineering background. Sure well um, I'm a photographer that started uh, like many landscape photographers uh, on the on the low levels down in in Dartmoor but now I'm uh, better known for my uh, mountain hiking and uh, particularly up in the northwest of Scotland but also out in Iceland and in the Drakensberg in particular Uh, and I guess I've kind of found my niche in getting to places where most photographers don't tend to go so that's my my passion And, and as I've pursued that approach I've grown as attached to that sort of outdoor experience adventure aspect yep. um, as i have to the photography itself so it's uh, been a double win for me really yeah yeah obviously i've seen many
0: of your your pictures from up and from up in the, the the gods literally um sitting on top of mountains camping out overnight but also some of your amazing photography from south africa and also up in iceland as well so it's wonderful to see the combination of a uh, of the love of the mountains but also with with photography as well so you uh, you produced your book northwest um a couple of years 2018 i think it was that's right yeah um, obviously you've been you've been working it's not something given the locations you're going to you can pull together overnight so how long was a process to, to pull the whole body of work together
1: so i i effectively started shooting for it but not planning to yeah. um i think about six years before i published um so that's when I started portfolio building as opposed to just visiting the northwest um and I I guess we'll get more into that and and um yeah then three years before I published it that's when I decided right this is going to be a book and I started very purposefully at that point trying to pursue the images that I thought were were important yeah yeah because you've you've split the book down into is it four or five different
0: chapters areas which i suppose lead lead you through your your exposure to the scott scottish mountain range
1: yeah that's right it, it's broken down into four areas it was it was actually originally intended to be five including the very far northwest North, yeah. um and i did did one trip there and i realized just how inefficient it would be really to spend my time photographing those mountains um uh, for those who know those extreme northern mountains yeah. um, Carnival and Arkell and Foynaven and and so on—they're um, very rocky, and it's, it was just a—I uh, knew it was going to be very difficult to to produce a body of work from there. So I, I did shelve that idea, and I ended up with um, these these four areas, which in in some ways worked well together because they were all of the areas of Torridonian sandstone yeah. uh, on on mainland uh, Scotland. So. Uh, that's that's how I how I came up with the yeah the the chapters and well I mean I suppose the breakdown was partly um, arbitrary because you can really yeah. justify almost any break of, yeah. the, of the mountains but I mean the, the locks and, and glens provide some sort of natural break and and so that's how I ended up with four regions.
0: Yeah I think I think it works particularly well and it's nice just to to see as you say you, you could you could pick so many different areas but the the geographical and the mountain ranges and and the locks as you say they just provide nice nice separation and and kind of i suppose confine each area to a particular a particular area in, in in terms of the way
1: you want to photograph
0: it and the locations you're trying to photograph as well
1: yeah that's right and and that uh geology similarity um between the areas does help to tie them together a little bit i mean there's actually a lot of variety in in scotland's mountains i think yeah. the northwest highlands are possibly the most dramatic mountains in scotland but there's certainly many other beautiful areas but it, it's nice to have that baseline geology be similar because actually the the areas i came to realize as being relatively distinct and you know they all have their own character even though they are um fundamentally made of the same sandstone um but but nevertheless, there's this link that does tie it tie it together, which I think is is helpful. Yeah. So obviously, you'd been photographing for a few years before
0: you kind of set in stone that a book was going to be the possibility. How did your how did obviously your approach at that point really change? Because from then on, you were really focused on specific shots. So how, how much more, I suppose, ruthless did you become in terms of selecting the locations and areas that you wanted to 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 get photographs to to
1: tell the story that you're trying to tell well I I think it's probably worth saying that because I enjoy being out in that area I wasn't overly ruthless I mean I didn't mind going back to the same (laughs) locations and and that's particularly because I I run photographic tours up there yes and one of the main means I had to complete the book actually was running tours running backpacking workshops to the places that I wanted to go to, that I wanted to photograph, which, um, you know, I've I've read plenty on social media about um, workshop leaders running off and taking their own photos <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I my experience um, certainly with the the clients that I have is that they tend to be quite advanced photographers. Some who yes. deliberately really don't want any help, um, yeah. and and I'm facilitating them getting to a location and making yeah. sure everything's safe and they're properly equipped and prepared and so on, um, and. And also uh, there's a lot of people who, who like the learning aspect of seeing how I'm, I'm working. Um, You're right. Yeah. And, and so I started to become increasingly upfront about that. And I said, I've never been up this mountain who wants to come up with me sort of thing. And and that started to, you know, work really well. I mean, as, as my experience as, as an outdoorsman grew as well, you know, I became increasingly confident just taking groups out wherever, you know, read the contours, check that the route looks feasible and then just go for it. Yeah. Um, and and I found that, that that clients really responded well to that. So that that was um, that was a big part of how I went about getting to these locations. Because the reality is, it's enormously time intensive yeah. photographing mountaintop sunsets. It's incredibly inefficient, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, producing a book like Northwest. It, it, it wouldn't really matter how many copies I sold. I would never make a profit for my time. If you, yeah. if you yes yes yep. Um, and and so really I'm I'm pretty indebted to those clients in in many ways for making the book a possibility and uh, and it's a, a, an approach that I'm taking forward now um, when I produce a book of Fisherfield, which is actually one of the the chapters in Northwest but that's my my next big project. But yeah, so so going back to, to Northwest, there there was um, purpose in the locations that I chose, but I was very happy to go back to locations that I knew would be good, in particular weather conditions, particularly yes. when I was with clients, because, you yeah. know, I'm, I still want them to have the best, best possible time. And um, it, it's funny how that paid off in terms of the book as well, because, you know, the third time up the mountain just happened to be when I had the once in a lifetime <laughs> conditions. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it, it works both uh, ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I I have to say that uh, the book the book is sublime the the, the quality of the, the quality of the photography, uh, but also the production quality are, are first class. It's uh, I, it's not something I photograph myself. I don't climb up too many mountains to be perfectly honest. Um, but whilst it's not something I do, I I, I really enjoy looking th- looking through your work and just some of the locations and the atmosphere that you really convey in in the work that you're shooting particularly across the variety of seasons it's it's the 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 colors the tones and and just some of the the incredible weather conditions are really quite uh quite incredible to see in the book so i I think it's i think it's a wonderful piece and as i say beautifully printed um we'll obviously talk about the production of it in due course but clearly a lot of time and attention has been spent to the smaller details and and that's what that's what people remember and, and that's really what Se- separates separates books out
1: in terms of the, the quality of the production that you're 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 putting through. Yeah, oh, thanks, thanks very much. That's very kind. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'm a bit of a perfectionist, to be honest. Is uh is is a a big part of it. I mean, I think many photographers are, to be honest. Yes. But I um i suppose i i get quite obsessive about things um i don't like to leave things unfinished incomplete i mean northwest itself was delayed by a year because i just didn't quite get it to the point that i was happy with it um yeah. and uh yeah i mean it'll be similar problems with the with the next book trying to get winter images uh because i mean the lockdowns and then this disastrous winter we've just had so um yeah i mean i i I try to be very thorough in what I do as well. And I and I think that that's the perfectionist in me, which, um, I mean, perfectionism is good, is good for pushing standards. It's also very destructive. And, and you have yes. to be, uh, you have to learn when to be easy on yourself as well. And uh, that's mm-hmm. something that I'm, I'm getting better at. But yeah i i sometimes struggle when nothing is ever good enough for myself like i i am my own harshest critic as they say yeah
0: i i think i think most people are generally their own harshest critic um but at the same time as you say you just need to know when right actually i've I've done the best i possibly can and and give yourself a break and but at the same time it, it does push you on when you see something and you think well actually i can i can do this better, or can do that better, and I think it drives us all. and um, But what I do like in, in your book, um, and I've seen others subsequently introduce them in your books, is, is the essays that you write at the beginning of each section, uh, just to just to give the introduction. How how important was that to you to bring some writing in, into the book as opposed to just
1: images all the way through? Yeah it it was it was very important to me but before I take uh, all the credit for that I'll uh, <laughs> I'll drop in uh, Joe Cornish's book uh, Scotland's yeah. Mountains because for those who are familiar with that book they will notice a lot of similarities with the approach that Joe took to that that book and the approach I took to northwest and that's because I think that that was a, a more or less ideal formula as as far as I was concerned and I think there's lots of ways to produce interesting uh photography books but I'm really drawn to photographing areas, geographical areas, telling the story of an area. Very traditional uh, yeah. book format. That's those are the books that often appeal to me the most, although not exclusively. And um, and Joe's book um, w- was a- extremely influential uh, to me. And you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of getting to know him since, and he he shuns all those uh, kind of um, that, that level of praise Please. but uh, yeah i mean it really was very influential and um yeah i mean one one image in, in particular i think it's on page 136 if you've got if you've got the book is um... I, I do i do have the book yeah i've always <coughs> i always
0: have the books in case i need to refer or in case i need to refer back to them 136 oh yes yep
1: yeah. um and I, yeah oh uh, no, so they, those are my those are my images, but in, in oh, Joe's so, book. oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, so I I do have a copy of of uh, Joe's photo that is on page one hundred thirty six. It's a photo from the summit of Sullivan looking south, and yep. that that photo um, was. Uh, I mean, it's hard to uh, overstate how significant that one photo was to me because it just opened up this whole fantasy realm of the Northwest Highlands in my imagination when I first saw it. And I think it's 2007, eight that I that I saw that photo. And, and that's the photo that caused me to go to the Northwest Highlands in, in the first place. Yeah, and it's the only Joe Cornish composition that I deliberately ripped off in the book, incidentally. Um, otherwise, I went out of my way to avoid them. Um because I, I at least didn't want to, uh, to duplicate his, his photography. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that, um, idea of, of telling a, a story and, uh, explaining your approach, yes. I think it, it does add a dimension to the photographs because you understand what goes into the work. And I, I've always found that interesting myself albeit on a sometimes more extreme level if I'm reading a climbing book or, or something yes, like that. Yep. Um, yeah so i i mean i don't want to say forever but but it's certainly the formula that i would i would like to continue with for, yeah. for some some time
0: well that that's if it, the thing is if the, if the format and the formula works for the story and the narrative and the photography that you're you're presenting then it's it it's got its place and it's when people try to push a certain form a certain format or something that maybe doesn't necessarily suit the work so well but actually I think as you say it's really important and adds such value to have a bit of context f- from your writing before you then begin to to look at the look at the work for for each of the sections
1: yeah definitely and I think it particularly if you're doing a geographical book yes. it makes a lot of sense um yeah I mean Joe's, Joe's got another book, First Light, which I think was his, his first book, which is more photo essays um, combined mm-hmm. with relatively disparate photos from all, yes. all parts of the world. And, you know, completely different format that works equally well. But um, I'm not sure that would work so well if it was a geographical book.
0: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. As you say, and I like, I like the additions of the maps that you've, that you've incorporated as well. They're just beautifully produced, beautifully drawn. Um, and it really works well, just in terms of setting the scene. With then following on with the with the the essay introduction, in, in most instances, in, instances, and then and then into just some stunning stunning images um, that represent the the beautiful landscapes that you you've been um,
1: you've been working to. Thanks. Yeah, the the maps were actually um, yeah something I was quite excited about. So they're a combination actually of of digital data and watercolor textures that yes. I painted and. Sort of compositing things together um, to to create what what I wanted, but yeah, I, I mean, I I love maps. I love old maps in, in particular. I love going on the the National Library of Scotland website and and going back in time through the various maps there. That's uh, really fascinating. And um, again, that's something that I will probably repeat in in future publications.
0: Yeah, and which of the images were are there any particular images that you are most pleased with or trips that were most most uh, most satisfying than others? Obviously it's, it's you, you've shot over such a period of time that I'd imagine your your, your approach and your 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 interest maybe had changed over that period of time in terms of the specifics that you're looking to photograph. but um, is there anything that was uh, was
1: challenging or particularly rewarding? Yeah, so in, in terms of actually making the book work, I, I like to describe certain images as marquee images, the, yes. the images that, that are absolutely required. To, I mean, in a geographic book, you can't, for example, produce a book of Torridon and not go up Ben Alligan, Leach, and Ben A. Yeah. um because they are the three most iconic mountains in torridon yes and uh you you know I, I felt it was very important to do certain views real justice and uh, i didn't i didn't achieve um wondrous results with every single one but i certainly yeah. tried yeah. um and i think the best example of that and and a photo that i think is is one of my strongest is from the summit of, of Leach, um in in the middle of winter in, in the snow and that was a very difficult image to achieve. It was one that I'd planned for a long time, and it was also one that I'd uh, learned some harsh lessons earlier on on Angelic, and that stories in, in in the book with yeah. things going wrong. And um, this this camp on on Leich was um, it had had some scary aspects to the the ascent. It was kind of at the limit of what I was comfortable with. Yep. But the camp overnight was absolutely perfect it was like minus six or something but windless and so beautiful. It'd be nice and warm in the tent and and right there on the doorstep was was the most beautiful scene which um we ph- photographed in ideal morning light um and, and i think compositionally that that photograph I'm, I'm very pleased with it um so that that would probably be the one if i had to choose yes one um but yeah, the, the, there's plenty of photos in in the book that I'm happy with, and and some that I put in there for for context, for interest that might yes. not necessarily have been my absolute strongest absolute. images, yeah. but were part of the the storytelling process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's very important. It's, you I speak to when I speak to lots of other people about it. It's it's not just it's 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 not just the big wow images that. You, that are needed. It's also, as you say, the additional images that give context and, and tell mm. the story. And and they can just be as they, they can add so much to 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 the to the body of work that you're putting together than if you were then if you were to leave them out. As you say, they're maybe not the, the iconic images that everyone's expecting to see, but they add they add such value to the overall story that that you're telling the viewer.
1: Yeah. So in, in the uh Torridon chapter, there's a double page spread of Lot Claire, which is just off the road everybody who's been through Torridon has has taken photographs yep. there um and i i made it a double page spread even though it's this easily yep reached location and and often photograph uh because it showed summer conditions it was sort of a calming but fresh photograph and it just gave a bit of breathing space in the in the book away from just endless sunsets yes um and and i think that's important and and something that i'm trying to do more and more i mean one one lesson i'm still trying to uh to teach myself is is to work in all conditions and yeah. uh, try and see the potential in, in all weathers um which again is something that joe did very well in his um scotland's mountains books largely because he had to because of his own time constraints
0: yeah I, I, absolutely that I, as you say it's, it would be all too easy just to say well i'm going to stick to the this snowy saying that we've not had much snow this year but those sorts of conditions that people are maybe more familiar with and as you say yeah work in all conditions i suppose julian cavalry is a great example when you look at his book and there's there's basically no sunrises or sunsets it's all exceptionally atmospheric skies and and stormy weathers and Mm -hmm. uh, joe Joe as well so uh, yeah I i think it's i think it's human nature for many of us just to try and stick to the than, or not so much the nicer conditions, but the conditions that we maybe want to shoot in, without actually pushing ourselves to to shoot in all conditions and seeing the results that 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 they produce for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I they say that there's no such thing as bad light for landscape i mean i i don't know that that's true necessarily there's yep. certainly some conditions that that are truly hopeless yes in fact i i did a hike with joe uh this may and and that was pretty much as hopeless as it gets in terms of <laughs> uh weather because it was lovely for hiking because it was sunny every day but it was also hazy and just yep. featureless blue skies and so there were really only a couple of opportunities there and 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 those conditions you know really are challenging and you're you're looking yep. for details or really interesting compositions and, and so on um but but certainly when it comes to uh, uh, overcast light or sort of semi-directional light it it can bring a lot in terms of color and richness um to, yep. to the landscapes of Scotland particularly to rocky textures which are quite often lost in in sort of stronger directional light yep um and of course it's very evocative of scotland too to capture images in in bad weather particularly i find it in the winter and and autumn months because it tends to bring out those sort of richer earthy tones the beautiful variety from you know yellow through to sort of deep red yes um that that you get in in the ground um in, in the grasses and so on uh and yeah so i i really have to force myself to a certain extent to see the potential when it's there. And uh, I mean the exciting thing is when you when you do start seeing that potential and, yeah. and you start making something of it, then it feels incredibly rewarding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And,
0: and, and it makes it easier to continue shooting in those conditions as well. Once once I think you get on a bit, bit bit of a run and, and a bit of a roll and, and as you say you begin to see you begin to see and you begin to actually produce work in those conditions. I think it just I think it gives a bit of motivation to keep going. Whereas i just i think everyone if you go out for a few days or something and, and you're in tough challenging conditions and you don't feel as though you're making pr- the progress that you would maybe want to be making it can be can be quite hard hard and uh, demoralizing to a certain extent to to then keep going without just
1: reverting back to what is more familiar that's right yeah yeah and and um I have to say one of the benefits of backpacking is that you're out there and because you're committed, you it's not so easy to just decide <laughs> it's over and hop in yes. the car and drive back home. Um, and and so it's a good opportunity for me to learn about lighting and, and weather and, and how it can change. And there's lots of ideas that I've developed over the last five years. I mean, very simple ideas, but very useful ideas um, around how, how light changes due to clouds and, and so on. Um To the point that, you know, I can anticipate what's going to happen, where the potential is going to be, which then allows me to think creatively before the light happens. And yes, I mean, so so one example of that is, um, you know, if the sun's fairly low in the sky, whether it's sunrise or sunset, and it doesn't need to be, you know, within an hour necessarily, but still fairly low. And you've got bands of cloud coming through if the, the sun is shining over mountain ridges and it's casting sun rays you kind of need to wait until a cloud is blocking the sun, but the sun is still shining down past the mountain beneath you or, or past you because the cloud that blocks the sun improves the clarity of the air between you and those sun rays and so it makes the sun rays more defined yeah and so you can anticipate that because you can see these sun rays forming and you might be able to see the sun at the same time but if there's a band of cloud coming through you wait until that band hits the sun and hope that the the sunshine is still running over the ridge and uh yeah hey presto you get the results yeah but but that's what it is it's you,
0: it, it, i think everyone always you learn you're all, everyone's continuously learning and the more the more you're out in locations the more you're out wherever it is up the mountain down at the coast you you always begin to develop new skills and and improve and enhance your knowledge and enhance mm-hmm. your knowledge of how as you how, how the weather reacts, how locations react, tides, mountains, or whatever it is, and I think that's part of the process. People don't, as you as you correctly point out in your in your introduction, people you don't go into the number of failures and the number of trips that have yielded very little because people just see the end results and people forget how much, how many times you've maybe visited a particular location to get that shot or how much effort and energy has gone into getting up one mountain. you maybe had to go up three or four times to, to come back with this single shot that they're looking
1: at. Yeah. I had to have to say that was that, that little bit in the book is almost a, um, it's something that I just had to say because <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> I, the, the thing is photographing mountain sunsets to give that 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 specific example is it can seem quite passe and like very obvious cliched and so yep. on um and I mean firstly I, I I think that's an easy criticism to make I think very few people do uh that style of photography consistently well um yep there are there are certainly many photographers in total but as a percentage of the landscape photography community it's a very very small group indeed yeah and um yeah it's it's just a huge time investment and I I just can't overstate it enough (laughs) um and, and I just so I had to put that in the book because I just couldn't let people look at the book, look at the book and think oh, I could I could do that. And, and yes. do, you, do you know what? A, a lot of it is perseverance. And so to a large extent, I'm sure many people could. But uh, you've got to yep. got to put that time in first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when it came to selecting images and sequencing the images, how, how much of a challenge did
1: you find that? I. I, I, it was very important to me that the book had a flow to it. Um, yep. I, I'm actually not a fan of blank pages in books, okay. and and I know a lot of people are um, to give to give breathing space. And actually, some of my favourite books um, do <laughs> em, employ that technique. So I'm yep. not saying that it's awful, uh, but it's it's not something that that I wanted to do. And and so having understanding how those images were going to fit together was very important and and particularly from one page to another so there were certain images that um weren't in the book because I couldn't find a partner absolutely um and there were others that were in the book because they were the perfect partner um Mm. and I I found it particularly challenging when I'd had a really successful shoot up a mountain and I'd come away with three or four images that were of the kind of standard that I was looking for and of course if they're from the same shoot they tend to have a color palette that might fit beautifully together and so you're tempted to just put them side by (laughs) side and I I did that a little bit um but I really don't like repetition in in books um and some photographers lean on that very heavily and uh I I try to do the opposite as much as possible so you will see some views repeated um but uh yeah not not so many and and so that was another thing that i was trying to avoid even when i had a natural partner i often excluded it because it had too much similarity with another photograph yeah um so that that meant that i needed almost twice as many photographs as i actually ended up um publishing in in the book and then um, I, I will, will say, say one funny thing is uh, a lot of people assume that the very first photograph in, in the book on page one or whatever before even the contents page is my favorite photograph because I put it first. It's a shot from Stack Polly with this rather incredible uh, pink sky And and it's a a photo that I that I do really like, but it's not even close to my favorite. And the reason that it's the first is because it doesn't go with anything else in the book. (laughs) And uh, I thought it would open the book with it with a bang too, which is nice. But um, really, the reason it's there is because it doesn't have a partner.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's very important to to have a, a a nice flow. And some images, as as you pointed out with your very first image, don't always work well, sit well together with with something else, and. I think you've always got to be mindful of how how someone else is looking at the work without having an understanding of it and and there's a natural flow tonally subject matter will okay, be some matters fairly similar but just to just so there's nothing that's really jarring to the viewer's eyes as well as they, as they work through the work.
1: Yeah and and uh, you know that you can almost go as as far as you like with that because not only does the two images or sequence of images need to work together but you want to think about the sizes of the images relative to one another and maybe how you're editing them so some of the images I edited to match their partner a little bit more closely not in a way that really mattered to me like I never sacrificed the edit of a photo just to match another one or and I certainly didn't fake colors or lighting (laughs) or or whatever (laughs) But um, but what I would do is um, change the black point slightly or, or yes. modify the contrast um, so that two two images didn't... You know, if you put two summer images next to one another and one's shot in on a slightly hazier day than the other, yeah. then that can suddenly become really jarring and make one photograph look incredibly washed out compared to the other just because Absolutely. of side, side by side.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's it. As you say, there, you can always make small adjustments so that two images that subject matter-wise generally work well together just tonally balance up a wee bit so that as you say it's it's not quite it's not quite as jarring jarring to the eye and obviously you i think you self published this how how is that whole process because it's a uh, no mean feat uh, there's one thing doing a a, a zine but uh, what you've produced is a beautiful hardback coffee table book produced uh, yeah sublime qualities so how, how did you find that experience and process and did you take advice
1: from someone um, did I take advice from from someone um I mean I did ask a few a few yep. people for for advice um yep. I'm not sure that I ever asked should I self-publish or should I go to a publisher because yes. there was never any question that I was going to self-publish because yep. I wanted full control Controller. of everything yeah absolutely and um it was it was Colin Bell really who gave me you know showed me that it was possible, possible. to, yes. to yeah, make it healing. beautiful that's right um so, so he he sort of planted planted that seed, and I'm sure that I I got in touch with him um, to to discuss that, and you know I had to have a sense of the economics of things because you can't publish a book and and not make money because it really yes. is far too much uh, time in, involved. Um, yeah, I mean, lot, lots of other things. I, they weren't even decisions for me i i was always going to print it in the uk because yep. um i i do believe in supporting our own industries but particularly when it comes to uh the the traditions we have um for things like bookbinding and book printing yep um i think that that sort of thing is very important i will pay more for a book if it's printed in the uk and i don't certainly don't mind paying more to have it produced in the uk and that's certainly the case it's very significantly more expensive yes um yeah, and uh, I I've never had a problem learning software packages and laying things out and and so on. So you know, learning InDesign to to do that sort of thing was was fine. And I took um, a lot of advice actually from my my friend uh, John O Renton, who's a uh somewhat uppity designer based in <laughs> Nottingham who I uh who I who I really admire I think he has sort of a very refined aesthetic um so uh, I've asked him opinions on all sorts of things not just uh on, on photography because he's just one of those people who has an opinion and he has it immediately and yes. is willing to express it and I really like those people yeah. um and yeah so so he uh chose the fonts and helped me with the spacing of the text and so on because quite often I would lay something out on a page and I'd be happy with it and then I'd look at it again I think something's not quite right and it would literally be you know, adding a couple of points of spacing here and yeah. there, slightly changing yeah. um, so something about the, the text and uh, and then it would suddenly fit together. And, and somebody with an attention to detail like that um, is... Well, is I, absolutely. And I think someone who's got the experience,
0: particularly with typography, it, yeah. it, it really changes it. And I, I think it's invaluable if you, if you know someone who knows about those aspects of it, just to mm. do, even if it's just to give you a second opinion as you say they, they can look at it they can see immediately what's wrong and as you say it might just be a, an additional point in the space and then all of a sudden you look and you think yeah that just looks that looks perfect or you've just selected a slightly lighter font or a weightier font or, or whatever it is and 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 yeah these things just all all add to the tension to detail and all add to how how, how the finished product looks as well
1: yeah that that's right and um there are quite a few people who have, I'm, I'm sure you've talked about or talked to on your, your podcast, um, who are very, very good at that sort of thing. Um, yes. I mean, there's, there's Darren and there's, yeah. um, there's Eddie, Eddie yes. Ephraim's, um, Sandra bartocker actually, yes. um, she's produced or designed some beautiful books, including her own. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there are some people who have a real affinity for that sort of thing. And, uh, it's a it's a skill in its own right. And I personally think it's incredibly important because I'm one of these very anal people. I hate bad typography and bad layouts. And I just well, that, ruins it for me. Yeah, out, that, so. that's
0: it. And, and you, you you kind of begin to notice these things when you've maybe seen them and you see how other people have done it, and you think, Oh, I don't know if I would necessarily have done that. But at the mm. same time, at the same time, everyone's got to go with their guts, gut feel of what it is they want and how they want to show their own work because that's right. Because what one person thinks is is wonderful, another person is not their cup of tea and, and vice versa. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's always a it's always a good thing. Everything's always very different and it, but it's also it's the tactile element of the book as well. It's a beautiful cloth cover and, and lovely paper choice as well. And these things all add to all add to the whole package as well. It's yes, it's about the images, but it's it's a physical product, it's it's a physical yeah physical tactile thing that you can sit down with and feel of the weight and the size and, and how that all interacts as well. And yes, some people think you're having the biggest book is, is biggest physical size is the best thing, but actually it gets to the point that if it's too big, or then it can be quite un, un uneasy to, to handle and maneuver. If you, if you're just wanting to sit down at a, on at it, as opposed to
1: having to maybe use a big yeah, table or just, lay ha- or just have a bookshelf for it. I mean, I, I had to yep. build a, build a bookshelf, um, Well, I say I had to, I I wanted to build a a bookshelf for my... um... For my living room so the sort of tv sits inside the bookshelf with all the books yes. around it and it's an efficient way of using space in my living room, which isn't gigantic yep. um but I had to make a special shelf that was tall enough for my tallest photography book um which turned out to be Paul, Paul Wakefield's is, is oh, my right. tallest
0: book so. yeah <laughs> I, I have a shelf at the very very top that's exceptionally tall that takes all the books from the inconsiderate people who make them exceptionally <laughs> yeah. large and yeah I think uh, I think Paul Wakefield's book is most definitely up there, as is David Baker's Sea Fever book, which is mm. an unwieldy size. Um, but yeah, it's all these things just add to the experience and add to the element. And in terms of bookmaking, is this something you see? Obviously, you mentioned you're you're working on another book, but is it is it something you see yourself
1: producing for for future projects? Uh what what to continue with that style of book? Well, just books in general, either that style or different formats of book in terms of just printed form for your for output of your work. I mean, for sure, the way that I like to approach areas is to leave no stone unturned. And yep. um, I, I think that approach to uh, a project lends itself very well to uh, yes. a book, full stop. So um, there are actually lots of potential books that I could already produce to be honest if I could find a market for them I mean I'd I'd love to produce a book of the Drakensberg yes um if I could find a market for it um equally the the highlands of Iceland I've taken a similarly thorough approach to my work out there in this very narrow geographical area really um so that, that broader approach to um, photography is is one that lends itself well to books. So I will continue pro- to produce books and, and largely because I think that a book is really the only way, um, not just the best way, but the only way you can show a portfolio um, to an audience. Um yeah. I mean save maybe an absolutely gigantic exhibition if you're yeah. Salgado or something I don't I don't know <laughs> um, I mean you know Joe's got his own gallery and I'm not sure that he can afford to show a huge portfolio of his work like you'd need to to you know replicate a, bu- a book yes um, and you know in theory you can do that on websites I don't think people have the patience really to you know you, I, I mean I I'm as bad as anybody else. I I go to people's websites and I click on the images that interest me based on thumbnails. That's not really the way to consume a, a portfolio. And of course, sequencing goes to pot immediately. Uh so yeah, I, I would say that as as I see it now anyway, um, photo books are just an absolutely essential part of my approach and, and something that I'll I'll continue to do. And as far as the quality goes, um, I mean, again, never say never, but I I I particularly like tactile objects I've actually started doing some bookbinding myself making yep. clamshell boxes and that kind of stuff and with my um with my perfectionism really kicking in there which is horrendous you know you've got to be very very precise to do to do that well um uh, but but as I've got into that I've just grown more and more appreciative of, of nicely produced printed things and I think there's uh, a big I, I think the thingness of books is, is really important. It, I mean, a, a lot of my uh, pleasure in photography books is just in the item, which sounds ridiculous, yeah. but, it, but it's a very real thing for me. Um, so I have many uh, photo books that I will look through several times to the point that I just know all the photos and I, I understand that body of work and I then won't pick it up for, for five years. I mean, that's even my very favourite books. I haven't picked up yep. in a few years. Some of them. Um, and what what actually I enjoy is just having the book, owning it. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: which is which is a strange thing, but I I think. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, people have always collected things, haven't they? I mean, you're sitting there with a massive bookshelf behind you, so I'm sure I'm um, preaching to the <laughs> choir there, but. Um, yeah, it's it, it's just just a nice thing to own, and it's uh, I I like that I can support other photographers. Not that I'm a prolific photo book buyer, but I certainly support the photographers that that I uh, admire. And uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I, as you see, I, I think it's a wonderful way to own. And to be able to view and enjoy people's bodies of work, be it a, a portfolio or project specific or whatever it is. As you say, you don't you, you can't appreciate it when you're scrolling through a website to the same degree. It's it's like you scroll through an entirely different pace than if you're sitting down and mm. working through image at a time. And it's also the tension to detail that someone's taking to make sure the images are presented as they want to, but as you say, it's it's the physical object and there's books that I've got that I've got on the shelf that are, they're just beautiful physical objects and I don't need to look at them over and over again. I know them so well, but I would never part with them. Cause I think they're just, they're, they're just beautiful. They're, they're beautiful items of art.
1: Yeah, that's, that's right. And um, I mean, this is going to sound really sad, but, Often um, when I go to bed for whatever reason I'm thinking about various things I have a very active yep um, yeah I, I, str- I struggle to get to sleep sometimes so quite often I have um, you know things that I go to to think about that will help me get to sleep and when I was when I was very young, I actually trained as an aeronautical engineer at university and did that yep. for a bit. Um, but when I was young I was obsessed with model aircraft and I used to design them in my head when hey. I went to sleep. that was how I got to sleep. And, uh, and at the moment it's actually book binding and book design. How am I going to design, the yeah. maps for my book. How am I going to what cloths shall I choose? What colour combinations? Yep. Do I want a shiny foil on the cover? Really anal stuff. Uh, headbands, all sorts of all sorts of things. And and for whatever reason, I will go over these thought patterns again yeah. and again. And that's what I think about before I go to sleep sometimes, just to just to help me nod off, which is And, uh, and, and have you thing. have you made any
0: handmade books or is is that something that interests you? Because there's certainly there's lots of people out making handmade books. There seems to be there's I think there's quite a market. Certainly, a lot of people who are doing beautiful things with one off editions or very small editions of four or five handmade books. I, I think... even even just even just
1: for yourself or personal use, not necessarily to to sell or share. So personally, I would rather have a clamshell box with prints yep. to a finger through than I okay. would a, yep. a little little book of my own work. Um, and that's partly because if you print your own little photo book, you have to sacrifice something in some way, in a way that I don't think you necessarily have to with, with a clamshell box. Yep. So I mean, like you, you might have to set a format or you might need to print small so that it's affordable yep. to make a decent number of pages. You might have to have this concertina design, or and and I think if you can afford to do, you know, full offset printed print run, then the print standard you can achieve can be really exceptional. Yeah. You can have a lot of images, you can tell an in-depth story, um, and and so that's that's what appeals to me the most. Um, yeah. That that said, I, I mentioned to you the other day that I'm interested in in getting into the zine world a, a little bit and and producing a, a much smaller print run and a much lower number of pages for for a small project in the in the Hebrides which I mean may not happen to be honest um because it just depends how my shoots go in the Hebrides this summer because that would be a very tight turnaround project um but I'm I'm quite excited by the potential of that but in terms of making my own books no I I don't think I I'll be doing that anytime soon though I may repackage um offset print I I've kind of thought of uh tearing a tearing a book of uh northwest apart and rebinding it i must admit to just oh, make yeah. something exotic yeah uh, so ma- maybe maybe i'll ask for some book blocks of my next 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 book to bind myself
0: yeah absolutely the thing is there's, there's a world of options and um, it'd be interesting, yeah. It'd be interesting to see how how your project goes, your time goes, in, in, in the Hebrides this year, and whether a small zine format of something comes from it. Um, mm-hmm. Because again, it's a very accessible way to share work, and it's a very accessible way for a lot more people to be able to support artists. Without yeah, not not everyone can can pay can afford the big hardback books, particularly given the price of everything these days. It seems to be going through the roof every time you turn a corner um, but no I, I i i think i think the beauty of books is there's there's such scope for what anyone wants to produce whether it's mm-hmm. a scene, whether it's a big hardback whether it's something handmade there's mm-hmm. there's so many options and there, there's such flexibility there and i, th- I think it's uh, i think it offers great opportunities for photographers and artists out there to to
1: present the work as they want to that's right. Yeah, and actually, going back to the subject of handmade books, I actually have three books on how to produce handmade books. So the <laughs> the craft really fascinates me, and yeah. um, I think I think for other work, it can be the ideal way to, yes. to present. Um, yep. Yeah, at
0: the end. It's got to work for the project. There's a, there's nothing worse than trying to present trying to present a body of work in the format you're presenting it in is just entirely wrong. So. I, I totally agree with you. It's it's got to work for for the images that you're that you're presenting. But talking about books, I'm always interested what uh, other people's favorite books are. I can probably guess maybe one or two that yours might be, but sure. it's 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 always it's always interesting <clears throat> because a lot of people that it maybe be the first book that they picked up when they were a kid that just introduced them to photography. And certainly when I interviewed Paul Wakefield, I think he had about eleven or twelve books because that's how he taught himself composition and things like that which is quite interesting to hear about so oh, i'll hand it over to you for your
1: for your book selection yeah so i've, I've actually got got five I brought brought them with me because i decided Road. to be decisive so um yep. i mean we've we've already talked about um scotland's mountains by joe cornish but i mean that is uh, head head and shoulders above yep. the rest in terms of its its influence and i, yep. I won't talk about that anymore but um, <laughs> if you haven't got a copy of that and i'm not saying you you and because i'm sure you do um then uh then then pick one up and uh yeah yeah you might be competing with me because I now own three copies of it. I'm uh because Somebody. when I when I meet photographers who I think should have a copy that don't I, I give them one because <laughs> yeah it's it's a really great book. Um then I've got Landscape Beyond by by David Ward. You had him on the podcast yeah, the other day I, I know um difficult to choose between either of his books to be honest but both of them are so rich in ideas yeah. um, and so well put, f- the ideas are so well put forward, very eloquently put forward. Yeah. Um, and David Ward has formed the basis of many of my own ideas, which I p- now pass off as my own. Um, and I, I don't agree with all of his ideas. Um, yep. It would be weird if I did, but yes. um, certainly the the majority. And uh and I think the insight that he offers in his books—it's it, it, a life lifetime of learning for most photographers, if if they ever get to that point, because you really have to um, be incredibly retrospective and thoughtful to come up with some of the concepts discussed in both of those books so um yeah yeah, landscape beyond both great books and it'll be very interesting to see what his uh, forthcoming third book is going to be like I'd imagine absolutely I hope it will be spectacular and incidentally I've been uh, telling Joe somewhat incessantly to uh produce his own yeah yeah but to self-publish it and um Yeah, I'm not going to give up on that crusade. He's made some positive noises without uh, fully committing to it. So, uh, very good. Carry on working on that one. Indeed. Okay. So, uh, then another book that I'm sure you own um, Colin Pryor's Fragile. And I I think that that is an exceptional example of a concept perfectly executed. And I, I wish more photographers with. I'm going to be briefly critical about some photo books here because the one style of photo book I don't like is the greatest hits masquerading as some you know First Light by Joe Cornish for example which is an incredibly insightful book but you can't just you know yeah. print your very yeah. best photos and type yeah. a few lines and, and think it's a retrospective it, yeah, yeah it, exactly uh, it you know you need to really have some great ideas to pull that sort of book off because otherwise I'm going to compare you to those people who have done that brilliantly yeah. and, there, and there are a few um and yeah so so this this fragile book um for those of you that aren't familiar with it it's basically a pairing of bird's eggs next to the landscape in which the bird exists quite often very cleverly color matched so the the palette of colors in the egg is matched by the palette of colors in the landscape and that as a concept it is out, outstanding anyway I think like it's a really interesting base concept yeah the photographs I mean obviously Colin is known as one of um Britain's finest landscape photographers um so the landscapes are pretty good yeah. um but but the eggs are perfectly shot as well they're essentially just flawless um and
0: create their incredible
1: similes of of the egg itself there's no um necessary artistry it's like they're technical masterpieces from a photographic perspective so you get to see the art of the egg yeah um but that idea itself could become very repetitive if it was just that. And so he's very cleverly broken the book up with double page spreads and and pairings that are less obvious, or there'll be three eggs on a page and there'll be um, fire. And, you know, it, it, it it's, broken up really beautifully really cleverly yeah and and so that's that's a book that i that i love that really wowed me it's i i think his best book um even though i i have a, a few of his others including the rather uh monster uh sort of anthology that you've got behind you there yeah 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 um, it's
0: I i must say it's a great book i colin was my guest on last week's episode which will probably been a few weeks ago by the time this goes out and yeah it was right. wonderful to hear just them um, talk about it because as you say it's such a fantastic concept but it's been so well sequenced as you say to break up what could otherwise be quite repetitive and go- going through with egg and landscape but yeah i i just think tonally as well it's been so well matched together some of the eggs and yeah. some of the landscapes as well and just yeah just fantastically executed a real 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 great book
1: yeah, so I mean, there've there been a few books that have really impressed me because they have some sort of original concept in them that really shines yeah. through. I mean, I've not listed it amongst my very top books, but Theo Bosboom's uh, *Shaped by the Sea* yeah is 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 a good, like that really interested me because of his use of um, turquoise uh, that sort of runs through the book. This almost oppressively saturated turquoise, yeah, um, but it it just worked really well for me personally. I, I thought that was a, a really interesting to do and it's a thing to do. And it certainly looks very deliberate. And then I've got a book that you won't have have yourself. I'm sure uh, you okay, and that's nope. encounters with the dragon by John Hone and, um, You'll have to see if you can hunt down a copy of this. I can tell you for a fact, it'll be very hard. And my uh, good friend in South Africa, uh, Hohard Malan, now has the remaining stock of books. He uh, right. he, he bought them off the family because John John Hone uh, died, unfortunately. Um, I can't remember the, the year. But anyway, this is a, a book of photographs of the Drakensberg Mountains. Right. And um, it's photographed throughout the seasons, all on film. And uh, it's just a really remarkable encyclopedia of the Drakensberg really because it talks about the history of the Drakensberg in very considerable depth as well as all his adventures and it's it's a book that I come back to again and again when I'm uh looking for for inspiration out out in in the Drakensberg Uh, and then finally uh Baffin Island by Alistair Lee right um and that but Alistair Lee is really a, um, a videographer now, a filmmaker. He is um, a, a top climber too, and he very often accompanies Leo Holding on his, his big projects. Um and the Baffin Island book was produced during a Berghaus sponsored trip called the Asgard Project to uh, climb Mount Asgard, which is this uh, thousand meter vertical granite wall on Baffin Island, which is in yep. the northeast of Canada. And um, I actually planned an ex- expedition to, to go there myself. I was so impressed by by this book, although I, I partly chickened out um, <laughs> and, and partly I, I didn't want to go because a photographer, American photographer called Mark Adamus, who was very influential at at the time I was planning this trip, planned to go just before me. And um, Mark is is many things, but one thing he definitely is, is a better outdoorsman than than me. He's done some really quite extreme things. And and I knew that he would go out there for much longer than I would consider and uh, come back with some amazing stuff. And then I'd put an enormous amount of money and effort into this project, only for people to tell me that I'd copied Mark Adamus. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided uh, to to step away from that idea, but that was actually how I ended up going to the Drakensberg in the first place. So yeah. uh, that actually worked out very very well for yeah. me.
0: Yeah, every cloud is a silver lining
1: yeah so but but that idea did eventually turn into my trip to Greenland and um th- this book uh, Baffin Island um really gets to the heart of what it means to go and go adventuring go rock climbing in this case um in remote areas and uh so yeah that's a that's an inspiration of mine too brilliant that's a, yeah a, fanta- a
0: fantastic selection of books a couple I've got a few that I don't um, it's always nice to hear some new names. Um, because even for me, even if I don't buy the books, it's still it's still new people to explore their work and mm-hmm. understand and see where their influences and inspirations come from. and you can't buy you can't buy every book, even I can't buy every book, nor do I mm-hmm. want to buy every book because you've only got it's only so much more well, space, but you you've got to enjoy the ones and you, you buy the ones for for the ones that inspire and interest you as well and um, i bought mm-hmm. books because i'm interested in the physical aspects of the book as well as the work and um, but know oh, some great some great uh some great selections there which i'm sure one or
1: two people will try and pick up encounters with the dragon i'll certainly take a look but uh yeah, yeah so. that one will be particularly hard to get hold of. I'm actually talking with, with Hogard about getting some uh he's yeah, getting a crate sent to the UK, but I, I think I need a couple hundred orders for, for oh, that, gee, yeah, the railing. Right so oh. yeah. <laughs> That, is, that, that might that
0: might be a bit of a challenge but you never yeah, know if yeah. you if you can get a reasonable number Um, if it becomes reasonable to do a decent selection a decent number of books then it can often it can often work quite well but uh yeah, yeah. but no yeah it'll be I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing your next your forthcoming uh, book projects and how, how they progress because it's always interesting to see how how people move from their first book to the second books I think you always learn you always get new ideas
1: and in, in terms of things you might tweet and and, and move things forward yeah although I have to say that one of the difficult things is that you know of course you always want to improve or at least equal your your last yep. your last book and uh, yeah I'm uh, very conscious of that and it's again quite a destructive thing to even be thinking about um, yeah but yeah I just have to keep keep applying myself and be patient I think and it'll come eventually that's it. Well, on that note, Alex, it just leaves me to thank you
0: for your time today. It's been a pleasure chatting to you about your work and your books. I um, really enjoyed it. I'm a big a big fan of uh, Northwest. I think it's a wonderful book. Um, and yeah, just really, thank you very much for your time.
1: Thanks very much, Ian. Thanks
0: for having me on. Really appreciate Cheers. it. Pleasure. Thanks.